0: why i'll never make it podcast presents the spotlight series an in-depth look at those making a difference in the arts and beyond today i'm joined by josie whittlesey the founder and executive director of drama club an organization started in 2013 and provides theater programming to incarcerated and court-involved young people they bring classes into juvenile detention centers jails, and community centers throughout New York City. Currently, Drama Club works with about 500 individual students between the ages of 10 and 21, using improv as their core curriculum, empowering young people to tell the stories they want to tell in the ways in which they want to tell them. From her previous work with Rehabilitation Through the Arts and Girls Educational and Mentoring Services, Josie has proven to be a staunch advocate for those who are underserved and in need of the outlet and experience that theater can provide. I caught up with her at the Drama Club office in Long Island City, where she shares how this important organization began and talks about the lives they impact in such positive ways. Josie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. So I basically just want to start off and find out exactly what inspired you to create Drama Club.
1: Well, I was teaching undergrad drama at NYU um, and, and just having a blast. Absolutely loving it, loving the kids. Um, and I also did this high school program in the summer, so some of those kids would come back a little bit older. And I was really having a lot of thoughts about how impactful and important it was for young people to have this theater training. Right. Um, at that time in their lives, when they're really questioning who they are and how they occupy the world and occupy their own shoes and um, and I think theater helps young people have the courage to say what they have to say and and take their space as people and um, just blossoms that confidence and it also really blossoms their ability to work with other people because theater is so intensely collaborative Um, and so so you were
0: thinking at it as Blossoming as people, not just as actors themselves, uh, but just as human beings. Really, in this only world. as people. I wasn't even <laughs> right. thinking about the actor part. Right. You
1: know, just and, and and I was also thinking because I had so much student loan because I went to NYU grad. I had a lot of student loan, and I was yeah. really having guilt about these young people getting student loan as and you know as as undergraduates knowing how difficult the industry is and like the probability that they would be able to make their living as actors with these with these loans. You yeah, know?
0: absolutely. And.
1: Really, it was a little bit of an ethical question for me. Like, should I even be teaching here? But I, but I started thinking about that and noticing this incredible blossoming like I'm talking about. And, and, and I was like, you know what? Um, I hope they go on to be doctors and lawyers and, you know, and public advocates and whatever because um, they have this great training. They have mm-hmm. this great training about empathy and humanity and speaking and taking their space and um, really thinking about other people and and from their point of view
0: and in your class did you have a lot of mix of people wanting to be actors and then people wanting to do other things
1: no it was just kids that thought they wanted to be actors right I but, gotcha. you know I was <laughs> a little age on them and I knew what the realities were um, but I felt I felt great after a while about the training for them as humans and citizens um, but what I started you know because I was at NYU undergrad which is not or when I was there was not very diverse mm. um, racially or economically so, anyway, so, um, and I love my students. I'm in touch with many of them today. Um, but I started thinking about the kids that couldn't get to NYU because that training is powerful. Um, and I was having all of these thoughts, and then in 2009, I read an article in New York Magazine um, called The Lost Boys of Tryon hmm. by Jennifer Goner- Goner- Gonerman, And it was about a juvenile prison upstate that um, – that has since closed, and I now know that that article was written as part of a political movement to close that facility and also to like lessen our reliance on juvenile prisons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know anything; I knew nothing at that point about anything. Um, so I read this article, and it really took me back. I was like, "We put kids in prisons, and we have prisons specifically built for kids, and they're way upstate, away from like most of the kids come from New York City." And um, it really, it really blew my mind, yeah. and I. And also, they mentioned in the article that it was the juvenile prison that Mike Tyson had gone to when he was 14, maybe. Oh,
0: okay.
1: And um, it was also right around the time that Mike Tyson's documentary came out, and I became really fascinated with him. Um, and he was introduced to boxing at that juvenile prison. And he someone there introduced him eventually to Customato, his famous coach. And right. it, it just fit into all of these thoughts I was having about um, that age being so. And I remember just being so alive and being so open to things, and how things were so deeply impactful to me. Um, And I became gripped with the idea that the kids in these facilities needed theater.
0: And and what age group was this facility mostly handling?
1: Um, It would have been, I mean, it would have been like twelve to eighteen. Wow. Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's such like an impressionable age. Yeah, Yeah. I mean I think we can all remember what it was like when we were teenagers, and everything was exciting, and everything was hurtful, and everything was frustrating, and everything was wonderful. It was like the extremes of emotions that we go through. Yes, and it's
1: when in in that age group I was introduced to theater when I was Mm sixteen, and it was like just a huge, huge moment in my life. Obviously, Um, but I all most of the people that I know that was you know somewhere in those years was when theater hit them, and they hit it hit them very. Heart, you know right and they had somebody who a drama teacher or somebody that you know that was related to you know that they will always remember and so anyway I just became convinced that this was something I wanted to do um, I was still gigging as an actor and I was my day job was teaching which I loved um, so I went online and I looked for an organization that was teaching theater to incarcerated youth in New York City and I couldn't find one hmm. and uh, which I found surprising I found a couple organizations around the country in California and Texas and Kentucky, Michigan. Um, and to be true, to be honest, there's not a lot of programs that do specifically theater cause it's considered something, a difficult art form to work in transient c- communities. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, you sense. find more art, visual art programs or a lot of creative writing programs, but theater specifically is not super common. Um, but so not common that I couldn't find anyone in New York State or city.
0: So when you were looking for this, were you just looking to see are people doing this, or were you thinking I really about, wanted I, to, I wanted to volunteer, you wanted to get involved?
1: To, yeah. So, um, so I didn't find anything, and I thought that was strange. So, but I did find an organization that worked with adults using theater with incarcerated adults. So I okay. thought, well, I'll just call them up and see what's going on. And um, so I. Um, I called a Rehabilitation Through the Arts. It's a wonderful organization that works in five adult prisons in the state. And um, went through a sort of rigorous onboarding and processing. And it just happened that there was a space that became available for a teacher at um, Sing Sing, which is a maximum security men's prison in Austin, in New York. And it's you can get to by the train. You don't need to be able to drive, mm-hmm. which I don't drive. So, great. So I went there and... Um, Really had my life shifted by the experience.
0: Yeah, because now you're immersed in the prison.
1: Immersed in the prison. So I was teaching, a, started with a class. Um, and, I, and I was really good at it. And I thought I would be good at it. I don't know why. I, you know, it's like the strange white woman. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but I was good at it and I really liked it. There's something about it I got. Um, and and
0: what, was your teaching similar to what you had done at NYU? Yeah. Or, or did you need to it adjust was. it? He
1: adjusted a little bit. Um I guess I'd never taught adults before.
0: Oh, okay. Um, yeah.
1: I taught people on the verge of adulthood, but never really taught adults.
0: And I assume you're teaching men and it's only men, right? It's only men. Yeah, and so you're teaching men who hadn't thought of theater or acting or so they weren't in this at all. In this right. world. Well,
1: some of them had been involved in previous performances there and had been in the theater program. Some were brand new. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it felt and it was like it was like a very powerful experience cuz it was like opening this amazing door for these people Hmm. who were like running through that door, you know? So that was a really powerful experience. And then they do a play once a year, which is like a fully rehearsed for five months costumed. It's a big deal, big production, big deal. And it's performed three nights, two nights for the prison population and then one night for the civilians. So they bring in about 200 civilians. And that is a really, really powerful experience for the um, people incarcerated there because it, they feel seen. They are a population of people who feel, feel invisible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's very powerful for them. So they and, look, and is it like like civilians like like invited guests or would it be like yeah. friends and family?
1: Um, well, until recently it was just invited guests but the Department of Corrections oh. has just recently given permission to this organization to bring in um, family. Okay. Before they used to have to tape, it, tape the performances and they sent DVDs to the families.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so... Uh, so I, when I did the show, we did a few Good Men in two thousand twelve, um, and it's just those like endless long, downtime rehearsal hours that really, really deepened my understanding of what was going on. I spent many hours talking and storytelling, and um, you know, prison's like you. Th- you think you know that prison is a place where people go like bad people go and they break the law and they go to prison you know that was what i thought prison was and now there's quite a lot of conversation about this but but there are many other things going on and when you go into a prison and you look around and every single person around you is a person of color Mm -hmm. you really start to question what's going on and i it's a visceral experience i was warned about it and when i was in there i was it really just shifted
0: <laughs> as it, as far as the the teachers are are they also diverse or is it mostly african american no, mostly white no mo- most- the teachers
1: are mostly strange white women like myself yeah, yeah. Um, not all but a lot and um, the population is entire almost entirely black and brown
0: yeah w- would you say that that was probably the, the thing that struck out to you most as you started? absolutely yeah
1: cuz you're like I live in New York State where a majority of the people are white and I'm in this place where the people who broke the law are, are living mm-hmm. and there's no white people in here so it seems to me that something's off Right. and then you just go down that rabbit hole which is as we know <laughs> complex and long exactly um, so meeting these people and, and, and talking to them and hearing the stories and you know they're very very human you know of course and then you start to as an actor, you start to, or I started to put myself in their shoes and realizing that if I'd been in a lot of the experiences, I'd be exactly where they were. So I had done, I'd done a class, and then I had been in a show with them, and then I did another class, and so I was spending quite a lot of time there, really getting to know some of these men. And I, a few of them, when they got more comfortable with me, were like, what are you doing here? Why are you here all the time? Um, because you
0: were still balancing the, the work within NYU at this time. Exactly.
1: Um, and every once in a while, still like auditioning or oh, doing yep. readings off, yeah. and doing, you know. Um, so finally, some of them kind of t- sat me down. What are you doing here? What's going on? And I told them about my journey, that I'd read this magazine article that I had taught you that I t- taught youth. I still was teaching youth and I was having all these thoughts. And, you know, and I remember one of them just looked at me and he said, you know, you have to go and you have to start that thing that you couldn't find. Hmm. You have to go start it yourself, and I was like, Well, I'm an actor, and, and he said, Can you look around and see what you see and not do anything? And by that point in my life, I couldn't, and yeah. so
0: because um, by this point, you'd been there a year and I've been a there half. about a year and a half by the time we had, yeah. This, so, so you, you were like, I mean, this you, you, yeah. you, you knew what they were going through yeah. as much as you could, and you yeah. really got a sense for yeah. who these people were, who
1: they were, yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: I, I guess also. My life had shifted enough that I could imagine myself not being a professional actor at this point in my life um, and doing something that, that it just became clearer and clearer to me was more important for my life right now. And it was a way for me to create the most amount of value in my life right now. And so I did that thing and I'm still doing that thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know where it'll lead. I don't know if I'll go back to being an actor at some point in my life. I don't know.
0: At some point, then you made the choice, though, to to start this organization, just, just like that. Like they had talked to you, said well, you got to start yeah. it yourself. Yeah. So, what was that journey like to be like? How do I start an organization yes, from the ground up? How, how do I do that? Right? I'm
1: still asking myself that question. <laughs> um, well, I decided. Well, I'm going to find where we're incarcerating youth in New York City, which was actually in crazily uh, like a pretty crazy difficult job. Because um, there's no commercial on TV that's like, here's where the kids are, and here are the phone numbers, and here's how you find them. It's a world that's really shrouded in confidentiality, and that is to protect the kids. But I think it also serves as a way to protect us from the reality of the fact that we yeah, do incarcerate to children.
0: Shield us from what what's going on behind the curtain.
1: Exactly. So it took me a really long time. I finally found a video somewhere, and it had the name of a woman and her title, and it says she was the Head of Programming for the Administration for Children's Services for the Division of Youth and Family Justice. And I literally paused it on my computer, and I wrote her name down, and I Googled it, and then I found her phone number, and I called her up, and I said, I want to teach a theater class in the detention center. And she said, I'm sorry, we have no money. And for some reason, I'm fully funded. Just flew out of my mouth. It was a total lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went, oh really? Do you wanna meet me on the corner? And she literally picked me up outside of a subway station in Crown Heights and drove me to Brownsville um, where Crossroads Juvenile Center is located and marched me in there. And she said she's gonna start a drama program. Wow. And I was met with quite a lot of resistance in the facility. Yeah, um, yeah, I imagine. They were like, Who's this weird white woman? We don't What was it mostly
0: from like the, the staff, yeah. the prison guard? what about the inmates themselves? Did they Well, the kids respect? didn't
1: at that point, you know, they don't know. They're just yeah. yeah. And they didn't see me. It was just this interview and they, they were like, "Yeah, I don't know. There's not really any Remember the woman said there's no room for programming here or something like they were fully programmed up." Yeah. And I was like, "Well, no, I don't think that's true." Anyway, they had they had like a little battle of egos in that room. Um so it was decided I was going to start this workshop And so, you know, I show up the next week, and of course, like, it was just, it was a total, I'm not going to use the word, because I probably have to censor myself, but it was like a,
0: (laughs) it was, it was a mess.
1: It was a mess. (laughs) Um, And it continued to be a mess for, and and in some ways, it still continues to be a mess. Um, And I got a lot of pushback from the staff on the ground, and um, they just didn't know who I was, and they, and I now know that they're actually pretty protective of the kids, and so they're like, here's another person who's showing up to do good or think she's going to save the kids, you know. And then it's, she's going to find out how tough it is, and she's going to leave, which I think happens over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, um, yeah I would imagine so. Yeah,
1: and so I, uh, I just kept going. I just kept going, and over. And, eight, and at this point, it's just you. you it you was just, just actually it was um, one of my students from NYU um, called me up, and she said, I want to. Because I was directing at that point. She was like, I want to assist and direct with you. And I was like, well, I'm not assistant directing. I'm not directing a show right now. I'm about to do this interesting thing. I think you should call your parents. Sure. (laughs) They feel okay about you doing this. Right, right. Come join me. I had no idea. I think she was 18
0: at that time. Oh, my goodness. Um, She didn't know what she was asking for.
1: And I didn't know what I was bringing her into. Yeah. And then she called me back the next day. And she was like, well, I'll talk to my dad. Which I now think was probably a total lie um she still works with me and I said okay and we we went together on that first day
0: yeah
1: um and so she worked with me for the whole summer my god it's amazing anyway so we did that together yeah and 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 so and so
0: what were these first few classes like oh they were bananas because you're new I mean certainly the the inmates they don't know
1: right and I you know I um I'd worked with adults who were like had done a lot of processing and a lot of a lot of them were in recovery, and they've done lots of work and taking you know you know college classes and really wanting to like change their lives you right. know and to having and what, Sing Sing's just full of lifers you know it's people who there are life sentences, which doesn't mean they're there forever, but it means that they have they're right. there for significant numbers of years, um, and then you and then, it almost sets you up to fail in a way because then when you work with incarcerated youth, it's just like you have kids that are like still very much in the midst of their trauma um d- d- don't have the ability to be self-reflective or you know uh, Is it, yeah because
0: everything's in the moment on their sleeve It's just like yeah it's happening it's happening right yeah. now
1: and so we've ha- we had some pretty wild classes um and and it was really like trying to figure out what we could do at that point i you know it was just me and yell and Doing theater games and trying to figure out what worked and what didn't, we really learned a lot on our feet of what you know. And at that point, I still thought we could put on a play.
0: <laughs> <laughs> big dreams. Big big, yeah, big dreams. Yeah, yeah, big dreams. Um,
1: and and this facility is a pre-conviction facility, which
0: which so, exactly which means so means there what? means that
1: kids go there when they get arrested, they can't afford bail, um, and they are waiting for their court dates. Oh, I see. And, some of them have very serious charges. Some of them don't have serious charges. Some of them...
0: It was just a mix of people it's a mix who, who and, hadn't been convicted yet. Right, had not yeah. been convicted yet. Yeah.
1: Um, and sometimes it would take... It took some kids four years to get convicted. And it took some kids wow. a couple weeks to get bail or to be re-released or charges dropped. Or some kids were there for a night, you know?
0: Yeah, wow. And
1: a real mix. Um, you can't do a play. I learned that. Um, we did, however, and we started that on June, um, seventh, sixth, we started on June sixth and by the end of August, we did a staged reading, which was like, felt like the biggest miracle of my life. Um, it was a very heavy lift, but they did a great job. And, and um, and so
0: what, what kind of material are you bringing in for them to read and these games and stuff?
1: I had, you know, I I, I teach a very games based curriculum. I always have. I think that's really important. Um,
0: is it like improv games yeah different other exercises
1: just like zip zap up and right. and all these different kinds of games yeah. um and uh those worked those worked um we brought in the the program uh person at crossroads asked me to bring in something about the harlem renaissance so i brought blues for an alabama sky oh yeah um and so we worked on that <laughs> very challenging we did it we did the stage reading it was beautiful um But very soon after that, I started to notice that there would be kids that would come and play the games and be super open and have a lot of fun and then drift off when we got into the scripts. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And one of the guards finally pulled me aside and they were like, they can't read. Hmm. And I was like, oh. Wow. Yeah. And that happened more and more. So we gave up using scripts. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when we switched to improv. And that happened... That happened about nine months into our our journey. I'd already kind of started to figure it out, and then this amazing teaching artist came into my life, um, and he had a really big background in improv, and he basically taught me how to teach improv in this world.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then and and so at this point, after this six nine months of you kind of figuring out what works, what what doesn't yeah. work, and you settle on these improv games. So did you leave scripts and scenes just completely behind? And so now that's what you yep. focus on is the yep. improv. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It was just a way to make sure because they and, and sure enough, the kids did definitely have like really varying degrees of literacy, yeah. um, and it was just a way to make sure everybody who wanted to participate yeah. could. could be involved.
0: Yeah, yeah. To, to not give yeah. them any barrier to, exactly. to come and be a part of the class. Cause, exactly. Because was this class voluntary or is yes. okay? So none of them had to be there. Mm-mm. Okay, so yep. so at least you had a somewhat willing yeah. participant group.
1: Yeah. And that was back in the day when they let me, um, I would work with the staff and be like, who in here do you think would be good at drama? And so the guards would recommend the kids.
0: R- they, right? they, yep. they know the, guard, best. the guards know them best. Yeah. They spend hours and yeah. hours with them.
1: Yeah. Um, and some of them were really deeply caring people. Um, and they brought us amazing kids. So then we just kind of had our list and we'd work in a room that was not on a housing unit. Um, and it was wonderful. Now things have changed and at this moment we're not allowed to work outside the housing unit so now we have to go right into their housing unit which is less than desirable but that's what we're doing right now Mm. because of rules at the moment i'm hoping it'll shift back yeah because you can't mix girls and boys that way um you can't mix um boys from different housing units um and i think
0: it, I think is, that's a shame just to keep them. Are, are they thinking that that's for your safety or their safety? Their or safety. Just, okay. Every,
1: everyone's safety. Yeah. Um, they tend to, and a lot of these kids are gang involved and they tend to, to keep them separated according to their gang affiliation. And I mm. think that doing that, uh, re, you know, reiterates the. Yeah, you know, it,
0: it reiterates the division. Yes. And the Separating. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I also think kids that age shouldn't be separated from the opposite sex
0: yeah exactly yeah.
1: so exactly. we always did gr- girls and boys together um until mm. it, we couldn't do it anymore
0: and so and so and what year was this that, that you started that summer 2013 that was 13 yeah. and so in the next year or two what or how did the the program grow in, into becoming more than just you and this right. assistant
1: so um people just started it just it, people just came into my life and um who had some expertise we were all working for free after about nine months, ACS, which is Administration for Children's Services that run these facilities, um, the woman who I had originally called and lied about being fully funded, she, <laughs> uh, she reached out. She said, you know, the program's going really well. Would you consider going to Horizon, which is like the identical facility in the Bronx?
0: Oh, okay. And I'd
1: heard from the staff there that was a more functional facility, and I was getting really burned out. So I, I had enough people that could stay in Brooklyn, and I went to the Bronx, and I took that amazing teaching artist, Arturo Soria with me um, who taught me how to teach improv yeah um so he and i were in the bronx and um that was in t- early 2014 um and then and, and
0: so throughout this time it, it's still completely volunteer basis so you're yeah. not making any money the, no. the people who help you aren't and so were you continuing to teach and act this or were yep. you able to, to balance all that how, how did that work <laughs> i mean i
1: probably took years off my life i was exhausted <laughs> Yeah but i was still teaching thank god my husband was supportive and you know willing to keep us living in a studio for a little bit longer right. right you know what i mean so we could live with a low overhead um but um and then i you know i knew i wanted to form a nonprofit, and i you know i started you know, I started with the fiscal sponsorship and did all of that and got the, you know, the right.
0: Paper. Which I'm, I'm sure is even another,
1: Oh, it's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. a whole other
0: process. I mean, yeah. it's one thing going into a prison and understanding that world, but right. then understanding <laughs> the, fundraising and nonprofits yeah. and the forms and yeah. legal work. It's a lot. Yeah.
1: Um, so I started doing that, you know, and like, my, my husband's a writer. We were fighting over the kitchen table <laughs> who got to work on the kitchen table. Um, and uh, so, in in May 2014, we had our first little gala. I think we raised twenty five hundred dollars. It was very exciting. Nice. Um, and I'd set up a fiscal sponsorship so I could raise money, and I started raising money mm-hmm. because I became really aware of of the it's a pretty profound emotional burden of doing this work with children. Mm-hmm. It's not the same with doing it with adults. Absolutely. Um. Because you're working with kids that um, are not okay, and some of them are not going to be okay, and that is really, really challenging when you really get into it. Um, and I realized that consistency was a huge, huge part of what we were doing. I was just learning this with my feet, and I was like, I have to be able. I can't expect expect volunteers to be able to keep putting up with this. I can't really hold them accountable. I need people to keep showing up because these kids need people. You know, yeah, we need that. Yeah, so, because it,
0: it was a, a weekly thing that you did. It was twice a week, twice a week in
1: each facility. Um, so, yeah. So I I started raising money so I could pay my teaching artists, hmm. and um, I still think that was one of my smarter moves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, d- well, yeah. I mean, you you definitely want to value people's time. Yeah. Because I mean, not to, not that there's something wonderful about giving back, which yep. is why you started this, but at the same time, to value people's time, yep. and I and I think that. I assume that with that, then you found more consistency in yep. the, the people that came yep. on board.
1: Yeah. And you can hold people accountable when you're paying them and you can ask them to do things. And that it's, that is bon- true. You know? That is true. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, and I, it's so essential for these kids. It's so, so essential, which I didn't know when I started. It didn't occur to me. But you've, you have these young lives where people have like, really consistently cycled in and out of their lives.
0: What, what would you say? Because you you mentioned that going from adults to kids was certainly tough, and I can certainly imagine that. But what being there? What is like the one or two things that just really struck you that that made it so so much different, more difficult?
1: I realized, and I, I haven't been able to tell some of the guys that really encouraged me from sing sing, and I want to be able to tell them someday. But that they I later realized that the the. The men knew how to protect us from their trauma
0: Hmm.
1: and that it probably is an intentional thing that they do i know that it's intentional actually um and the kids can't they're they're kids um and we see a lot of kids cycle in and out in and out in and out so kids show up with like new broken bones and new tattoos and new scars and bullet Mm. holes and you know um and that's you can be in a room with these kids, or at least for me, and I know some of my teaching artists feel the same way, and you'll go home and just burst into tears. You have no idea. You have no idea what it is you're responding to. Like, you pick it up on your skin. Like yeah. Trauma is, I really believe, is transferable like that. You don't have to know. A kid could tell you nothing, and you just know there's well, pain. I,
0: yeah, because I, I think us as actors, I mean, that's, that's part of our skill set is, is to recognize what other people are thinking and, and not just saying but with their body language yep. and that's as actors that's how we react right. interact right. and yeah. we're trained to do that exactly. so then you're
1: going into these deeply tra- traumatized spaces
0: yeah yeah where, where, as you said people have no pretense yep. i mean that these kids are just letting out what they're right. feeling and you you see it you feel it right wow that's amazing yeah
1: and a- another really difficult thing is when working with adults they are so appreciative I used to make fun of them because it would be raining out. And they'd be like, Josie, I can't believe you showed up. It's raining out. And they'd be like, I'm water repellent. Yeah, yeah, I I made it. I have a raincoat. (laughs) It's not that big a deal. Um, They're just so grateful and kind of aware of the sacrifice that you're making. Mm -hmm. And the kids are like, you know, yeah. Right. They're angry. Um, One thing I noticed, which really bothered me, I've kind of gotten used to it, but the kids train themselves to sleep as much as possible to pass their time. So, when they come to drama, sometimes they've been woken up.
0: Oh. Like, get out of bed, you have like, to go to
1: drama. And they show up and they hate you. <laughs> you because know?
0: they were dead asleep yeah. and now you've right. woken them and up. And they're yeah. kids.
1: So they have that, like, kid, like, I'm mad because I'm, I'm grumpy because I just got w- woken up. And, yeah. You know, and I hate you and I hate trauma. And, you know, they come around, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's another big difference. Yeah, but
0: because I in another interview that I did with another organization, Only Make Believe, who also deals with kids, one of the things that they said is that kids are utterly honest. If they love it, you'll know it. If they hate it, You'll also yeah. know it. So, I, so I, yeah. I, I assume there was never a filter as no. far as what the kids were, were yeah. going through.
1: And there's no, they have no, they don't feel like they need to spare your feelings at all. <laughs> no, no, no. no yeah. They're yeah. just going to say it like it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so with with these kids doing these improv games, what type of, I, I assume over time, as, as you said, as you became more consistent with it, going back twice a week, what t- what kind of growth, what kind of things did you see develop in these kids?
1: Right, Um, this is a big question in our organization now because we're getting big enough, we're applying for bigger grants and they want. What's your impact? How are you measuring your impact? So we're not allowed to actually collect any data. Um, We're not allowed to know their last names. We're not allowed to know where they're from. We're not allowed to know what their charges are. We're not allowed to know. Oh, okay. Of course they tell us most of that stuff, but we're not supposed to know. so what we can collect is whether or not they showed up. And we can collect these feedback cards, which are just little index cards and they can write a message to us. Okay. So they could say so we say, you know, tell us what you would you know, what you liked about today or something that surprised you about today or something that you think drama club's teaching you or sometimes it's like, you know, something you think we could change, like let us know. Yeah. So we have collected probably a couple hundred of those. And looking through those, we see, um, I could express myself. We see that the most probably. Another one we see a lot is, is getting along with other people. Um, so And especially when we could mix housing units. Somebody might think that they didn't like that other person and then they did the drama class with them and then it turns out that actually the other person was fine. Yeah, they're actually okay. Yeah, they're actually great. Or even if they didn't like them, they were able to get through the class. Yeah. And they were able to work together as a team. That's an, another really big it, one. Yeah, to me, see. that's
0: even more important. It's one thing when yes. you find someone you like, and then like, oh, that's surprising. Right. Now I get along with them. Right. But to find that way of working with people who you yep. don't like, yep. I mean, that's even more important.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I one of the rules of drama. The second rule of drama club is no killing or violence. Um, so that means you can't pretend to kill somebody in a scene, and you can't pretend to have violence or real violence. Oh, There's no violence. Yeah. Um, because if you kill someone in your scene, the scene's over. Um, and then I say, no, I say, well, no violence because it's boring to watch. Like violence is really fun to watch in movies, but on stage, it's usually not that fun because it looks fake. It's always True. what I tell them. I just we're just covering our bases. Um, but I remember one girl got really in my face about it because the fourth rule of drama is find the conflict. And This girl right. was like, Miss, you just said no violence. And I was like, violence and conflict aren't the same thing. And she was like, Boof. what? Yeah. yeah. So we had a really long conversation about what the difference between violence and conflict is. And that's a huge part of our program. Hmm. Um, conflict is, a, is the basis of all good drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody, but a lot of these kids come from the streets where conflict is settled with violence. And so we talk about how, what are other ways are sometimes fi- conflict can be settled and it's really funny sometimes there's really unusual and surprising things that happen um so that's that's another big the kids don't articulate it that way but that is a big thing that we see right and be like oh wow you know and that's related to the i had a class with someone i don't like and i still you know i can get along with my peers while i'm in the
0: room and so would you say that that is one of your i guess biggest missions or goals is to have these kids come to these classes go through this program. And and be more, I guess, more fully human, more fully aware and yeah. engaging with others. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And th- I mean, that's what we hope as actors. That's as what we well. hope for actors. Yeah, <laughs> but it's then, really empathy building. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: And empathy is probably the number one factor in the reduction of
0: violence. Because the moment you can understand someone else, then you're less likely to react to it, to act out violently, right. to to want to shut that person down right. the or to
1: assume that they're coming at you with right or assume that they're
0: evil and they're wrong. Yes. So you need right. to right, right. So I, think I that's mean, I, mean I think that's a lesson <laughs> in just humanity in general. Yeah. could learn that a lot, right? We now. could all learn that a lot right yes. now. Yeah. yeah. So, so now you're, um, so now you're about five years into the program, six years and yeah. six years into the mm-hmm. program. And what has that journey been like? And what's the biggest change that you've seen over that time?
1: I would say there's two really big changes. One, I really coming from adult prison and knowing I, I know what the it's not the it's not the last stop it's a very long long stop on the journey that a lot of these kids are on hmm. and it's it's not a good stop and it's it can be for the majority of your life. I really really wanted to to slow the flow of kids into the system you know. Hmm. And I, I don't know that that's possible with how it's set up right now.
0: With with how the, the, system, the system itself, it, yeah. the prison system? Yeah. Hmm.
1: So that's been the really, that was a very hard and difficult and painful lesson. Um, that, and, and there may be some kids, there may be some kids that we can kind of off ramp that from that system, but most of them we're not going to. So So we had to redefine what success was. And success yeah. now, and it, it's major, is to make sure that kids have a safe space once a week where they can be themselves, they can laugh, and they can feel like kids. Because a lot of the kids that we work with have not been allowed to be kids. They've been had adult expectations and responsibilities put on them since they were very young. And they haven't had that space to play.
0: And they now find themselves in a very adult Right. Situation. And they're being treated like adults. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, so we talk about small wins and actually they're not really small but they can seem small if we're like I'm going to reduce recidivism and stop the kids cl- flow of kids in a prison it feels small but it's not. So sometimes it's about a kid who's like terrified to stand in front of an audience and they stand in front of an audience. Sometimes it's um, these kids are dealing with some really heavy stuff and so um you know we've had kids who've been indicted a couple hours before they come to class wow and then by the end of the class they're giggling like a kid right (laughs) that's a i mean it's a small win but it's a huge win um and so it's about creating a space where they can be present and safe or safer um and be a kid and so now we hope that for kids that we have longer exposure to that that has ripple effects in their lives and we help some of the kids and i know some of the kids that we you know we've been able to offer at least for now um but it is a system that's really once you get involved it is very difficult to exit to break
0: that chain and and not get back into it again and again or
1: or stay in it because you catch more charges for you know it's just it's intense yeah um so that's, and, and, and so with
0: the kids that you're working with, is it still in this pre-conviction ter- or are you also now? In right. Places- so that's the
1: second huge shift that we've yeah. had is is really noticing that e- even six years ago when I started drama club, there's been a pretty big shift in New York um, City. It's bec- it's very progressive. Um, there's about a quarter of the number of kids that there were when I started okay. in the facilities. They've reduced the number of kids that are Getting into the, I think if they feel like they can divert a kid through some kind of program or probation or whatever, they're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. which is great. So there's fewer kids, um, and there's an acknowledgement that the programs in the facilities help, even if it's lowering the violent incidents in the in the the facilities. Yeah, even if it's
0: just helping in the facility. Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: Um, And so there's quite a few programs now. When I started, there were not that many, and now it's like you have to fight for your space. <laughs> You're competing with a lot of programs.
0: And so, what are these other programs that you see now in the Oh presence? man,
1: there's yoga, dance, um, visual art, which there always was, always visual art and always cre- uh, creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some really cool. They have a gardening program. They have um, like a like a computer coding programs, and yeah, there's all kinds of neat stuff
0: going on. And so so you are having to compete with these for, for bodies to be like, you know, join my club or this club. Or yeah, this.
1: Yeah, 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 but it's good. It's yeah, good. Yeah, um,
0: Yeah. because obviously the more outlets that they have right. to do something else right. besides what they're right. in.
1: So they're sleeping less through their days. Okay. There's stuff to do. Right. Right. Not as grumpy when they come to drama because they've been up was <laughs> something else cool. Um, but now what happens is that so, a kid will get locked up and they get flooded with programs. They get flooded with arts programs and all kinds of cool stuff, and they get their mental health, and then they go home and there's nothing.
0: Mm, right.
1: And then, surprise, surprise, they come back, right? And um, it's sort of acknowledged citywide this is a hole we have in our system. And there is a law that prevents us from reaching out to the kids when they leave if they're under 18. And it's a law that's meant to protect them so that yeah. predators don't follow them out if and I'm sure that I know that's happened um however it makes it really hard to wrap around programming yeah um and it's become clear to us through the last six years that that is actually almost more important right yeah because a lot of the kids they get locked up and they get a lot of programming and they get three hot meals a day and they have to go to school and they get a lot of attention so they're small classes the doe is in the facilities yeah um, their grades tend to go way up. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, because now they have accountability. They have people yeah. looking to them and, right. and encouraging them. And they have a lot of them. support. Yeah. They have
1: like these, you know, the, they're called juvenile counselors. Well, now they've actually changed their name to become youth development specialists. I think they call them now. But they're the, they're handlers. Right. Um, you know, who are now getting more and more training on how to mentor them and be confidants, and you know what I mean. And then they have they have pretty good mental health support and they get a lot of attention and they're in small groups. And um, and then they go back to, you know, neighborhoods that don't have arts programming in their schools and have crappy schools and maybe don't have the support at home. Maybe they, you know what I mean? It just depends. Has that of-
0: started you thinking now that that could be the next step for Drama Club? Absolutely. To and be outside the program? Yeah,
1: so we started two years ago in partnership with an amazing organization called The Door. Um, it's a 40-year-old organization I've been working with systems involved kids foster care homeless all kinds of systems involved kids the beautiful building in Soho (laughs) because Soho looked very different 40 years ago right um and they provided um, many services to them all for free Hmm. and they have a satellite location in the Bronx so we're in each of their locations twice a week okay so we're able to say to all of our kids come find us here's where we are we're at the door a lot of kids are like oh I know the door great oh okay. come find us because that's where we are yeah, Monday's and Wednesdays we're in Soho, and Tuesday and, and Thursdays we're in the Bronx. Come right. Since us. you
0: can't reach out to them, at least you now have a way, like, right. like a calling card to be like, when you leave, right. here's where you can go.
1: Right. And we have an apprenticeship program, so there's some kids. Right now, we have three amazing superstars. Um, we met them all in jail, and they, um, they really responded to our programming. We were like, come find us, um, and so they're on our payroll. So they help see, us see, that is teach. amazing yep.
0: because i i would imagine that for the kids in the prison system that even speaks louder it's like hey i used to be where you are and here i am yeah that yep. that has to be wonderful so
1: they help us teach at the door they we're trying to pull them into more and more meetings internally so that they are helping us really grow and evolve and, right, and right. so we have and, that perspective which and I really inform the program exactly Um, and, and so that's also powerful for the kids. Hey, if you come find us at the door and you show up consistently and you can show some leadership and you're interested, we will pay you.
0: How about that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so the kids that love drama are like, oh yeah,
0: I can make money doing this. I can make money
1: doing this. Are you serious? So that's what we've been doing. Um, it's been really successful. Now we would love to have more apprentices. That's what we have right now. Um, there's a lot of factors that, you know, these kids are going home to.
0: With, with those apprentices, what type of, of things or additions have they suggested or brought into the program?
1: Oh, man. Um, well, one thing that we're contemplating uh, is whether to become an alternative to incarceration, which is kind of a diversion program. Oh. Um, and we're really, we've been really on the fence about this because we consider ourselves allies to the kids. And once you become an alternative to incarceration, you are mandated, the, the kids are mandated by the court to come to your program. Mm-hmm um and we have to become mandatory reporters to the courts
0: oh I which see. we
1: feel conflicted about um but we had a whole meeting about it and we asked the kids to come and they were like uh duh yeah you have to do that <laughs> <You know? laughs> one kid yeah. was like they're gonna come they're not gonna want to come they're gonna come they're gonna love it you know yeah um but having that perspective is really important because we can like hem and hawn pull our hair out and you know and then they'll have this really simple like yeah no
0: do it's that like, just do that just
1: do that yeah. Um, and they come to our board meetings. Um, and, and
0: how old are most of these apprentices uh,
1: Our apprentices are 19, 20, and 21.
0: How about that? Yeah.
1: And we've known each of them for four
0: years. So as you said, so now they're part of the these board meetings. They're now, they are now they now basically have an ownership in this program exactly. and where it goes and, and what exactly. it
1: does. And our North Star internally is that we someday want to turn this whole program over to the next generation hmm. and... We want that uh, of kids that have been through our program. So we want eventually this program to be run by a kid who works for his way or her way through our program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that way they're really yeah. they really are in charge of the whole program. Yeah. And and do you see that as basically a way to, to delegate the responsibilities you have, or do you eventually really want to turn this I forward? really want
1: to turn it over. Yeah. yeah. I know that's not happening tomorrow. <laughs> right. Um right. it's gonna take years probably, but it's what I I think is necessary
0: so getting to you now Mm. as 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 teacher as actress yourself so through the drama clubs uh, gestation period and now in in its sixth year have you continued to pursue acting or are you even able to I'm not able to I don't
1: I'm this is like I work at keeping this to forty hours a week and not right. have it be fifty and sixty hours a week. Um,
0: and so, has the teaching gone away as well? For- it has gone away as well. Yeah. Um,
1: and I miss both of those things in my life. And you know, I I'm always having the conversation with myself and my therapist about how do I have an arts practice in my own life. Hmm. Um, and it's really challenging, but it is something I keep trying to figure out. My husband's a writer. Um, and, and what type of writing does he do? He writes for television. He's a, he's created a show. He's created a couple of the shows that he sold. And, mm-hmm. You know, and I work. I actually work pretty closely with him. So I he calls me his editor. So that is a a way for me to be away from Drama Club. Right. And a way to do something else. Do get something. Your brain. Get that storytelling muscle. Right. Um, keep it going. Um, and we actually created something together that we're trying to sell. So that is one way um that I can be an artist yeah yeah
0: yeah and so with that handing it over to the next generation as Mm -hmm. you said then your eventual goal would be then to to get back into the teaching and acting that you were doing before
1: yeah yeah has it has
0: this break been and has it invigorated you has it made you excited to get back to it or or do you not even really think about that at this moment
1: um no, I I go in and out of it. Um, sometimes I think, sometimes I think I, I, I don't know if I could go back to teaching a normal, regular class. And then sometimes I really miss it. Um, and sometimes I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right,
0: right, because you've kind of had a a higher mission, a higher yeah, calling, so yeah. to
1: speak. And then again, sometimes I just totally miss it and would just love the kind of just to really get into the art of something. Yeah. And not worry about it. Yeah. Anything else.
0: Um, and then, what about those acting muscles? That being being an actor, being on stage, yeah. you know, going through characters and right. a script.
1: Yeah, I mean, that sounds very appealing to me right now. Yeah, um, I'm probably pretty rusty. I, I think I, as a human being, I have a lot more to say. I have a lot more to draw on than I did. Yeah. Um, well, I
0: mean, I mean, yeah. This is certainly. I mean, I think all of us as actors, we need to have a full life apart yeah. from what we do on the stage, so that we can infuse our characters with. Realness and bigger parts of ourselves. Exactly. So you've certainly grown a lot, I would imagine. Done a
1: lot on that on that (laughs) end of things. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do look forward to a time in my life where I can have a space for that, Mm -hmm. for that life experience to manifest in in different characters.
0: Because what kind of work, what kind of plays and stuff did you do before starting this program?
1: Um I did a lot of comedy. It was really that was my my thing. Were, were you like the,
0: the character comedian? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, um, And I loved I loved that. Um, but I, I found it painful to be still inside anything that wasn't comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would have a lot more tolerance for that now in my life.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. You could definitely bring. I mean, you could bring drama yep. definitely to, you could bring, uh, could bring to some a, drama to, to, to a so. character.
1: I do, I do look forward to having that, if that is where my life goes, to having that in my life again.
0: And do you see work that's coming out now, writings both Broadway, off-Broadway, regionally, do you see writing and plays starting to, like you're seeing it firsthand what's going on in these prisons, do you see plays starting to be more real about this is what's going on in our life, it's not just glitz and glamour and proscenium and everything.
1: I, you know, I'm not seeing it on stage as much as I'm seeing it in probably t- television. Yeah. I'm seeing a little bit more of it there for whatever reason.
0: I think cause, like, that's probably the case because TV is so much more accessible and, and, and you right. can kind of find your niche on television right. and have an audience and you're fine. But on stage, there there's so much more that goes into the risk of producing. Right. Because it's kind of a one-off. It's like, is this play going to work? Right. I just was
1: having that thought. I think there's more risk being taken in television, Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. um, Yeah. In the stories that we're telling it and how we're telling them. Um, And you're right. I I find I I find theater can sometimes be so precious and so yeah risk averse because it's like there's so little money and there's you know and it's Mm -hmm. people are you know in the theater if you're doing theater you're really dedicating you're sacrificing. Yeah, you know, and so that tends to, not always, but sometimes reduce the risk that's being taken because it's like, it's sort of like, okay, we gotta do it, we gotta, you yeah. know. Um, and right now, I think it's, I think it's a very exciting time in television where there's a lot of it, there's too much of it, um, and there's a lot of money in it. And, um, yeah, I
0: mean, we're kind of being inundated with that. Yeah, it. we I are. Mean, I mean, it's every, and it's not just on TV anymore. Now, right. Hulu and Netflix, Netflix and, 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 I, I mean, yeah. it's streaming constantly, right. all the time. And we, we, there's all, I mean, there is too much for us to, there to decide. There is too much. There's yeah. no way to watch it all. Right.
1: I know yeah. I was flicking through Netflix the other night and I was like, I can't find anything to watch. And I was like, this is insane. There's like th- literally like thousands of options and I can't find and, it. And,
0: and like, I would say almost half of it now is their own stuff. Like, yeah. like they're just producing the, And I'm going, I don't even know how they make money anymore, with with all the original stuff that they're producing and the big stars that they're using. I know. So you know, obviously, someone's making money. Somebody making <laughs> doing money this profession, right?
1: But there's some very interesting. I actually just watched um, Escape from Danamora.
0: I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. how was that? And it,
1: it, I thought it was really well done. I mean, there were. I felt they skipped some kind of really important, huge. There was a pretty big elephant in the room about race in it, but. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was really well done. I was really glad to hear that Patricia Arquette. She won a Golden Globe for it, didn't she? Recently, she won. I think she won something oh, okay. for it. Yeah. Um, she was amazing. The actors in it were amazing. I thought. It, you know, Ben Stiller directed it. Oh yeah. And he did a fantastic job. I thought it was the most realistic depiction of life inside prison that I'd ever seen hmm. on the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, yep. because
0: there's there so many shows about the the drama, the courtroom, The, right. the, the, the getting there, the getting there. But there, yeah. except for like Oz and, right. and and maybe a few movies, is a New Black. Shawshank Redemption. You know, yeah. There's been, a, but right. there's not a lot about what actually happens. What, inside. yeah, the
1: day to day of what it is, um, right? So, I, and I, I, I thought it was really, you know, another thing that we never, you know, there's kind of a large conversation about, as there should be about. The intersection of criminal justice and race and poverty and Mm -hmm. you know we we're hearing a lot of stories about police brutality and um people getting caught in the criminal justice system and we're we're not talking about i mean it's it's a really complex world obviously and we're not talking about we're not talking about the police and the trauma that they're encountering on a daily basis or the correctional officers or like and i felt like Escape from Dannemora, a little bit got into that Mm. of like this is what, you know, the main woman uh, Joyce was like, um, you know, she was a civilian worker in the prison, Um, but I thought that it did a really good job of looking at what her the realities of her life. Yeah, you know, Um, they got a little bit into it, so I thought that was brave because nobody really wants to tell that story. It's not it's not hip right now. Right, 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 yeah. I um, mean,
0: you know, there's there's the whole Blue Lives Matter, which 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 can can be seen, you know, right, which as, is a, yeah. as good by some and and kind right. of off putting right. to others. But, right. but 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 yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. Apart from those that are that aren't the good cops, right? You know, those that are actually there to to serve a purpose right. and take their job seriously, right. there 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 is a lot of toll that they go through.
1: It's, it's awful. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. You know, and same with the correctional officers. And that's something that we've really learned through this work too. Is like there's some really great correctional officers who really care about these young people who like feel terrible at the fact they're in jail. And yeah. you know, many of the correctional officers on Rikers Island are people of color. There's very few white officers mm-hmm. out there. So like this idea of like the white officer and like you know what I mean? That's not right. really accurate in certain places. And it's, so that's really complex, right? And so then you're in a trauma space and then you have, you know, these officers have seen horrible horrible things oh I,
0: I imagine yeah I and imagine a so. lot
1: of them are very burned out and 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 really dealing with some serious health issues as a result yeah. um so it's like this it's it's not a black and white world and it's it's complex and it's it's difficult it's difficult have, to look at it and live in it
0: have you yourself and your organization have have you seen some of that toughness where where it, it kind of took you back and surprised you or I don't know but maybe there was a time where you feared for your own safety or was there ever those kind of moments
1: not really no that's good yeah it's not you know i think people think these spaces are spaces with how do i say this dangerous violent people and they are people who have at one time in their lives been dangerous and they are violent at times in their lives but they're people who are dealing with a tremendous amount of trauma and that is the first thing that you're aware of and mostly the only thing that you're aware of and so it's like yeah we're in these spaces with these young people who have gone through things that hopefully none of us will have to go through and um they're trying to live with that and cope with that and figure out who they are and then the whole time they're still like adolescents and they're trying to figure out like who they are and like what they believe and what how they should be presenting
0: themselves and
1: you know that's a difficult time in your life (laughs) Even in the
0: yeah. best of circumstances. Yeah, yeah, like, like like in in your own bedroom or in your own school, much right. less in a prison setting. Right. I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah, and um, so, yeah, it's like how do you stand with somebody and be you know, try to as much as you can, the like, hour and a half or two hours you have with them, just, you know, celebrate them and, mm-hmm. you know, tell them it's going to be okay and, you know, yeah. you know, even when it's not, you know, how do you do that? But no, I, I you
0: know. Don't feel feel in danger, now. Have you thought about, um, because now that you're bringing on these apprentices, have you thought about eventually maybe utilizing those that have come out of the program and making more of a reading, more of an actual, like... Maybe, maybe do a play with them, get a cast together. Have, have you thought about the next step?
1: Yeah, we've actually done that. Um, and we're kind of on the verge of creating a, we wanna create a little internal theater company. Right, um, yeah. And so that's sort of naturally happening. We, uh, another nonprofit hired the kids to come and do um, an improv performance about for World AIDS Day, hmm. focused on HIV, celebrating survivors and remembering the, um, those lost their lives. And so we had nine kids from our program at the door. Some of them were formally incarcerated. Some of them weren't. Um, and they were each paid $50 to perform Look for the audience. Paid actors. Paid All actors. Right. And it was a really, it was beautiful. Um, and the organization that hired them was so happy. So they've asked us to do another one around Valentine's Day. So we're going to do it again. Um, and so, and it is kind of this little group. And so, you know, I came in the office today and I was like, I've been thinking, I think it's time. Like we've been talking about wanting to do this. I think it's, I think it's time to... Start to raise the money for this yeah. to, to say you're part of this company. You're going to get paid. You mm-hmm. know, um, we're going to expect you to show up. You know, how, it'll start small, but and then try to find other opportunities for them to go out and perform in their communities. And they can, you know, they were performing a service to a certain degree, right? Yeah. So because we were told that the audience would have um, HIV survivors or people living with HIV in the audience, we wanted to be sensitive to that. Um right. They did such a great job. And then it turned out one of the, we kept having this conversation. There was a kid in our class who didn't let us know. Um, He said his mother was coming. Um, And finally, at the end of the performance, his mother turned to me and she said, do you know who I am? And I kind of figured that I was this kid's mother. and She said, do you know why I'm here? And I said, no, I don't. She said, I have HIV. (laughs) And I was like, Um, wow. So he'd been hearing us having this whole conversation and not like sharing that. Yeah, which that, is sort that, of heartbreaking part in its own way, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. and she was so moved and so proud of him, and mm-hmm. just really moved by the show, the compassion the kids were showing. Was, do,
0: do you get a lot of interaction with parents? Have you seen or gotten feedback from them how they're feeling about this program?
1: Um, we've gotten a little bit. We used to, and we're hoping to do again, um, participate in family days in the facilities, um, and that that is powerful. So you can meet the parents, you know, and. It's tough being a... I mean, it's just... I can't even imagine having a child and having the custody uh, of that child taken from you. Yeah. Um, and put in a facility where you don't... You don't have the say. We've done shows and invited p- families and it's an incredibly emotional experience with families. Um, and it occurred to me that, you know... M- like, the last few times that they've seen their kids in public in front of an audience has been in a courtroom. Yeah. And so, I think there's shame... About that, and so having them, there's a lot of tears when we do the shows. There's a lot of tears so having them be validated and seen, yeah. and having them do something like funny and you know or right. moving or you know it's 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 really powerful. And so we're trying to get back to a place to be able to do that with the restrictions that are on us right now. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So moving forward, you you, you talked about how eventually you want the apprentices to basically take over this mm-hmm. program. What, in the meantime, what do you see as going forward this year and next year? What, what are the, the goals and the missions that you have going forward?
1: So our goal is to build our community program um, so that it's robust, it's sustainable, um, and it's, it's accessible to our kids. And kind of one of the, the main thing that I see is us finding a space.
0: Oh, yeah. Like your own, our your own, own space, space for that it. That
1: has, you know, I have really big dreams about this, but um, having a theater like mm-hmm. maybe a, a black box with 50 seats um having classrooms in our offices all in one building and having it be open you know every day of the week and so it's a place i think it'll be easier even easier for kids to come out of jail and detention and find us right right because um, there's a place where they there's can a place be. where they can be because right now they can't really i mean our apprentices come here and we give them odd jobs but like a normal kid can't come find us here we can't have them yeah you know what i mean um, so, and they can find us at the door, but we're only there at specific hours. And, um, so I just, and there needs to be a space where they can come and just hang out. They can, you know, sit on a couch, play on the phone, yeah. whatever they need yeah, to like, do. Like, uh, like a green room. Yeah, just exactly. a place for them to exactly. be. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And be safe and it's theirs and, um, they can see each other and it's yeah. Hmm. So that's really my big drive right now is figuring out how I get that done.
0: Yeah, and, and, and a lot of that is fundraising, I imagine. It's fundraising, yeah. it's
1: starting to talk to politicians, it's, you
0: know. And so the, I assume you get government yeah. grants as well as uh, individual private donations?
1: Yeah, yep. we get some money from the city, um, we get some money from NISCA, New York State Council of the Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of private uh, individual funding and some foundation funding,
0: yeah. To those listening right now, w- how, how can they find you, and how can they uh, contribute either either time, maybe they want to volunteer, or, or money?
1: Um, we need and love money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's universal. <laughs> but yes, I'm sure your, your yeah. club could really use it. Um, we do not have volunteer teaching artists um, for a number of reasons. So if people are interested in teaching with us, it's a long process um, and it involves getting fingerprinted and background checked. And of course, it's, yeah. It's, it's a pretty big gig, um, so they can reach out about that. Um, we, and we could use, like, we could use, you know, other, like, we could use marketing help and digital help and we could use accounting help and that kind of stuff if anyone's interested. Yeah,
0: just the basic office needs of, of any nonprofit yeah. organization. Yep. Yeah.
1: And if anybody has a link to a nice, good building in the Bronx right? that could be turned into a theater, you let me know.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Josie, this has been such a wonderful conversation with you, and thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, God.
1: Thank you so much for being interested. Really.
0: To learn more about Drama Club, go to their website, dramaclubnyc.com. Org. There you can see for yourself the important work they're doing and find out how you can support their efforts in providing positive mentorship to New York City youth throughout each step of their journey in the criminal justice system. Thank you for joining me on the Spotlight Series, a presentation of the Why I'll Never Make It podcast. Don't miss a single episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. You can also follow on Instagram and Twitter at WinMe Podcast. Until next week, I'm Patrick Oliver Jones, and this is the Spotlight Series.